we would like to dedicate this episode to the memory of David Prowse. Have you ever worried that you might be the cool kid you wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends? Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream, always so generic, more normal than your friends? Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears. There's no need to panic if you let us your ears. Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard. Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd. Oh, Ken, it's Ken, it's all. everyone it's sunday you know what that means it's time for another episode of the it's canon podcast the podcast where we talk about all things everything the podcast where we talk about all things comics all things movies all things video games all things toys all things star wars all things lego all things everything and the best part of it all is that it's all in canon we have awesome fun things to discuss today and we are your hosts as always i'm boris and this week i'm joined by Phil. Hello, nurse. And Tyler. I'm happy to announce that every single aspect of my life is now sponsored by Manscaped. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so for those of you listening before Monday, you're gonna have to wait until Monday to see why Tyler said that. But as always, you can remember that. You know, today is Sunday, so today's our news episode. Monday, we are releasing our Mando, the Mandalorian review. This week, we are going to be talking about all things Season 2, Episode 5, Chapter 13, all things Mandalorian. That's going to come out on Monday. Um, No featured episode again this week, um, but, you know, we have a lot of things coming up on Thursday. Actually, on Thursday... I have to decide where the podcast is actually going to go, but NXT Talk is officially moving to the Sunday Night's Main Event um, Radio Podcast Network, uh, so you can check them out on SNME Radio, on Facebook, SNME Radio, on Twitter, SNME Radio, basically everywhere. Um, so we are going to be doing that show on their Patreon feed. And if you're in the GTA, make sure to listen to Sunday Night's Main Event Radio every Sunday at 11 p.m. on TSN Radio 1150. Um, damn, guys, I'm a corporate shill now. Boris is sold out. Surprising. Congrats. Probably someone's surprised. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, he can he can afford those manscapers now. That's oh. true. And and just uh just to additionally give a shout out for a Mandalorian episode. We have uh Storm Duper co-hosting on that one for our guest interview. So it was great to have him on the show. So yep. make sure to to listen into that on Monday. Yep. Give him some love. Yep. Give him some right. love. All right, guys, I think it's time for us to talk about what we're gonna do for our twelve days of Christmas. I think we decided, right? We decided, right? Yeah, well, right. I know what you and I discussed it. I don't know how involved Tyler was with that, but yeah, I, I think, think Tyler's going to be happy. I think in your rage, you don't remember that we did talk about this on Thursday after we recorded. 
Or did I make this up? (laughs) I could have easily made this up. Who knows? We'll all find out together. It'll be a journey. No, no, Tyler was there. Yep, yep. yep. (laughs) I I recall now. All right. So Christmas, the Lego Christmas special. Yeah. That's an interesting episode. Thank you, Phil, for that one. Um, But yeah, no, 12 Days of Christmas. So leading into Christmas and 12 days before that, you know, it's going to be um, uh, Monday, December 14th. We're starting 12 straight days of podcasting. Still can't believe I decided to do this. I still can't believe I actually talked about it. So we have to go through with it. But for those of you who want to know what we're going to be discussing, so it's going to be short episodes. We're going to be reviewing a TV show. On Christmas, we're going to be reviewing our picks. Um, So for the 12 Days of Christmas, we are going to be reviewing Star Trek The Lower Decks um, cartoon. None of us have watched it. You know, I know we always talk about Star Wars and other stuff, and it's very rare that Star Trek gets its love on this show. But, you know, we're, we've decided to watch that cartoon, talk about it every day, and that'll lead us into Christmas, where essentially I will gift Phil and Tyler something to watch. Tyler will gift Phil and myself something to watch and Phil will gift Tyler and myself something to watch and essentially the Christmas episode is going to be our reviews analysis Um, and guys the floor is open you can send something good you can send something absolutely shit it's really your call Um, and we're going to be discussing everything that's going to be what our Christmas episode actually is Um, so yeah I think it's going to be a lot of fun 12 days of podcasting um, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. This is a thing we've decided to do. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> it might the end of the world in some respects, man. Oh, geez. All of, all of us are like, yep, we did say we were going to do that. And apparently I will, that's I will, what's happening. I will say this, this might surprise you guys because we don't talk about Star Trek an awful lot, but I have been to a Star Trek convention. I, I have and also I have not been to a Star Wars convention. Oh, there you what? Go. Madness. And I did spend an awful lot of time in the nineties watching a lot of last generation and next generation. Yep. Um I haven't been keeping up with most of it lately though. So Picard yeah. I've watched. Things like that. Yeah. But uh, Discovery. Um I'm a Discovery a little bit. That. I'm behind on that. Um, yeah, but apparently too. it's picked up and uh, gotten really good. Phil, what have you been doing? How have you been keeping up for the past week or so? Oh, my eyeballs have been glued to the Mandalorian. Like, obviously, you know, no spoilers, but, you know, it's pretty much live action Ahsoka. Uh, it's it's okay. a big deal, right? So <laughs> Tyler's like got this maniacal grin going on. No, sorry. I was laughing at no spoilers, but instant spoilers. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, we all know. We all know, like that. That was like the worst kept secret in all of Star Wars. Yeah, but like, I mean, also that one angry fan, like, God damn it! Yeah, this this angry email of the week is gonna go to you, Phil. I'm not dealing awesome. with angry Awesome, bring emails. it on. <laughs> bring it on. Um, like, yeah, you know that leads to something though. One thing I'm noticing, and I just want to, you know, tell everyone needs to be a little more tranquilo. Stop with the Mandalorian spoilers. Yeah. Guys, wait till Monday. Not everyone stays up like me to watch it. 
do not post spoilers. For those of you who follow our Twitter account, know that I'm very careful about what I post. I literally post, hey, I'm about to watch it. Hey, I just ended, and I can't wait to talk about it. That's all I post in the lead-up to our actual Mandalorian review mm-hmm. episode. Phil sends images to us um, that I use for Twitter promo for the episode, but I go out of my way not to post any actual spoilers um, because if you do, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, and I was a little bit shocked, to be honest. Like, yesterday I logged into Twitter and I saw an awful lot of spoiler stuff. You know, the child's name and all this other stuff that's that's just being casually flung about. And, yeah, and lots of people objecting to it. But really, people are like, well, it's up to you. You shouldn't be on social media. And I just love how people couch it like it's your problem, not mine. And it's like, come on, guys. We all agreed as a community to make Mando Monday the Monday that we kind of talk spoilery. We yeah. give people the 72 hours. Like, I know by the time this episode comes out, we're talking, we're within hours of Mandalorian Monday and, and being able to talk about it. So I don't really feel like the Ahsoka reveal is much of a reveal. But I'm going to avoid all the other stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you know, out of respect for our audience. Yeah, it's just, man, I've just seen so many um, spoilers. And I'm telling you right now, you know, if I follow you and I see a spoiler, I will stop following you because that's a dick move. Just stop, people. Just respect it. And we're going to talk about a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about Ahsoka, I think, in this episode. Yeah. As far as, you know, that character in Star Wars and maybe some of the perception around her. And I brought it up last week. I continue to bring it up because I do want to remind people of their original stance of her. But I think we're going to get started. I think, you know, Phil kicked off the show with paying tribute to the original Darth Vader. David Prowse passed away at the age of 85. Super sad. Um, You know, but 2020 strikes again. Um, But yeah. It it sucks, but here we are uh, moving forward. One thing, though, is, you know, a lot of people, you know, I always say this, that we're knee-deep in the Star Wars geek world, so we know who David Prowse is. But a lot of people don't realize that, you know, there was a guy under the suit who was different from the voice. It wasn't Mm -hmm. James Earl Jones, um, you know, and I guess he found out that he wasn't going to be the voice after the fact. I guess he found out post-production when the movie was actually playing um you know do you think that he gets the credit he deserves being the guy under the costume i think he definitely got cut out like i i don't think that he got the, the most fair treatment from george lucas or lucasfilm at the time i think that you know he's 85 so unfortunately well, fortunately, it seems like he lived a very full life, but I know that he was very outspoken about some of the issues that he had with his treatment being the the guy who played Vader, right? And I know that they started subbing him in, subbing in different people um, during Return of the Jedi and even, I think, during Empire Strikes Back in attempts to kind of, you know, take Vader away from him because he felt yeah. it was his. And... It's a, he had a tough go with it and I'll never forget like, like Darth Vader is iconic for all Star Wars fans. Like 
when you look at the posters from the original movie, the Darth Vader silhouette, the Darth Vader helmet is just so huge and so like it dominates all the imagery. And that was this guy, you know, we weren't hearing the voice. It's the mask, but it's also the, the presence that he brings to the character on screen. When he walks into the Tantive and, and, you know, starts interacting with, with princess Leia and whatnot, it's terrifying as a child to see that and, and to get that set up. Like it was just overwhelming in so many aspects. And, and that was David, right? So kudos to him. It's he had a tough go though with Lucasfilm. I, I, I just wish that he would have had more peace with that on his passing. But I know Tyler knows an awful lot about this too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I got stuck in the weeds a little bit with this. Cause um, he just got basically one of the things to remember is, uh, is the legacy of everyone who is in star Wars has always been a little bit weird, right? Like it seems to be a coin flip, whether you become famous or a nobody, um, you know, we have one end, we have Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher and some others. And then we also have like Aiden Christensen. Yeah. So it's always been a bit of a, a, a cat's breakfast on whether or not any of this gives you any sort of recognition, which has always been too bad. And then, I mean, the other side of it is his career really kind of died. Um, after Star Wars is weird and too bad. Um, he was very outspoken about what he viewed as, as money's owed to him. Um, mm-hmm. we, I, I, I don't, not that I could find, I couldn't find anything about the actual contract being leaked, but he asserted to the end, basically that he was supposed to get a percentage of royalties off of Star Wars movies. And then they used Hollywood accounting which I've been subject to, and it's it's ridiculous when all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, you get paid out of the, out of this movie's revenue, and the movie never technically turns a profit because all of a sudden some intermediary company gets a ton of the money, and that's just how the cookie crumbles, and you're just like, well, fun. So I don't know. He had a he had a rough go of out at, and that brings us to a larger story of we're seeing a lot of contract oddities. Um, in the mm-hmm. time of COVID and streaming. Um, on the writer's front, Alan Dean Foster was a writer for a lot of the Legends-type books. He wrote the first novelization of Star Wars, um, ghostwriting for George Lucas. And when Disney bought those IPs, they claimed they did not buy any obligation to him along with it. So they've basically right. said, we don't owe you any royalties. And instead, this other company that hired him—I uh, don't think it's—I don't think it was Lucasfilm. I think it was like a subsidiary of Lucasfilm. At the end of the day, they're the ones that owe you royalty payments, and they have no money, so you're you're out of luck. And for anyone who's a creative, that's a really dangerous precedent to set. So, I, I, in in honor, I think we all kind of decided we we're going to talk a bit more about this this contract oddities that we're seeing in an era of streaming and other weirdness. Yeah, no, it, it's, I know I looked into the Alan Dean Foster, like one of the most iconic books that I can recall was Splinter of the Mind's Eye. That cover was just so impactful as a kid. We had a copy kicking around the house and it, it is upsetting that 
you know, he's not getting his payments. But this is where I come down to, well, if you do have a shot, like if you do have a real case, now I might be wrong. I'm not as well versed in this stuff as maybe Tyler is or others. But it just seems to me like a contract is fairly, it's written, right? It's There's something to go back to, bring about a legal action. You know, go and, and get a contract lawyer and fight it. And, you know, if you're right, you're going to win, hopefully. Like, I know that that's so, a really naive way to look at it. But Yeah, that's unfortunately not how it's going to work, especially in the States. Um, right. So let's say, let's say everything he's saying is true. Let's say Disney is just 100% in the wrong. Um, the, the process of legal situations and litigation, especially in the States, is such that Disney can go like, all right, sure. We're going to bury you in paperwork and problems every step of the way. And I've had this exact situation of big companies can make it where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, to get the money we owe you. And I've had I've had a lawyer say to me, like, yeah, you're going to pay me fifty thousand dollars to get ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it sucks, too, because Alan is sick with cancer. Exactly. And you're sick. And all of a sudden, like you're talking to lawyers and you're getting harassment from fans half the time because that's part of the negotiation tactics as we saw with spider-man recently mm-hmm. to say nothing of all this other stuff and and yeah the swa sfwa the science fiction writers of america is like fully on his side and is um doing everything in their power to kind of organize writers against this because yeah yeah weird. yep well, that's a good thing i i hope he gets resolution because it's, it's not a good situation for him. I hope he does too, but I don't expect he will before the end. And like, I, I it just make Disney's best call is just to be like, yeah, take us to court. Yeah. You know, and you think Disney would step up in this case and be like, hey, dude's got cancer. He's owed money. Like, you know what I mean? Like, find a way to make it happen. But I guess legally, you don't want to because. Than other people, you're setting that precedent. Yep, that's ex- unfortunately that's that's part of it there. Yeah, because as a human being, that that's where my emotion goes. You yeah, know, and especially, sure. and I don't want to preach about the differences between our society versus American society and whatnot, but it is just such an impactful thing when you get diagnosed with with a disease like that, like a long term fight. And financially, it's going to be a huge burden on him. Like, I, it's just tough. And he really is one of the godfathers of sci-fi writing. Like, he's one of those pillars, man. Yeah. You know, and we can make a whole episode about this. But, you know, when we take a look at, like, what Spotify and Apple Music do to musicians, you know, it's it's that's a whole other issue there, right? Like, where essentially the musician gets not even sent sometimes off of their deal for streaming and here we are like you know just capitalizing on the fact that we pay what 10 bucks a month unlimited streaming blah 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 and you know Mm -hmm. the artist is not it's just getting screwed completely screwed um you know but 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 i think the i think when it comes to this the music industry is probably the worst especially when it comes to like songwriters mm-hmm. and and royalty payments and things like that. You know, there's just so many people who get screwed in the uh up the chain. 
and it's just absolutely uh-huh. crazy to to see like it's just like i don't know what is a possible solution but you know as both of you mentioned you know it's what are your options as 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 a as an artist or as a songwriter or whatever you know are you going to hire a lawyer spend thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars to get a percentage of that back where you might owe more in lawyer fees like that's part of the issue as well as the lawyers themselves you know but they're doing a service you're going to pay for said service yep. um you know it's it's just crazy to see that like how many people get screwed and this is why like I've always said, um, you know, in the, at least in the comic book industry, when you go to uh, uh, Artist Alley and you go see artists and things like that, make sure that you, you know, that's a great place to pick up their work. You know, they get the money direct there. Um, you know, so yeah, it's 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 just just you know, I, what I'm yeah. trying to say, I guess, is 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 be a little more cautious about you know how you support artists how you support content creators how you support writers how you support anyone in the creative space yeah it's it's tough especially you know for me the cynicism just begins right from hearing spotify's deal and then apple taking 30 percent of all subscribers right there and and you know you're already like hacking at the company that's hacking the crap out of the artists and both companies are hacking the crap out of the artists for their own streaming music. And it's just like, they're they're now turning on each other and just getting petulant over that money. And it's, it's a, it's honestly quite sickening. Like when you get exposed to this level of, of corporate manipulation and greed, it's alarming. I, I don't like it as a consumer. It makes me feel really like the convenience of having everything on Spotify or Apple music or whatever is great, right? Like we put our podcasts on it and want to reach our audiences and whatnot using these things. But, you know, knowing that we're, we've got no skin in the game, like with some of these creatives, they're bound to like contracts that are just getting hacked to pieces. And then you couple it with COVID and you're watching people basically not be able to make any money if you're a musician this year because you can't tour. Well, yeah, there was, there was, they, you get, it's all over the place too. Uh, I was listening to a podcast last night and I can't remember who it was, but there's a comedian who has like a special on Netflix and now she's homeless. Like she literally has no home. She has no car. She can't get work. She can't get paid. Yeah. And just that's life. You know, look at Dave Chappelle, right? Like the whole thing there where Dave Chappelle's, um, the Dave Chappelle show was sold, being sold, but he has no skin in the game. Like he has zero, he makes no yeah. money off of it. So that's why, you know, you may have seen in the news the whole Dave Chappelle rant stuff against Netflix. You know, Netflix did the right thing there where they did re- uh, remove uh, the Dave Chappelle show. Um, but, you know, that's just one example. And that's because, you know, Dave Chappelle is outspoken and he has enough people that are going to be yeah. on his side. But, you know, not everyone has that has that forum that they can bitch to like the amount of people who get absolutely screwed um you know and the the people who do the legwork it's it's absolutely crazy like you know unfortunately there are no good good solutions yet right like you know the best i can do and say is support your your artists support your creatives directly however you can patreons or you know picking up their work direct um whatever it's the best way to go but you know i 
can't think of a better solution outside of that. I uh, support IP reform. Yes, that's the biggest yeah, one. There. You got to get involved with the ballot box. Unfortunately, like if you want to support creatives, it, there is nothing you can do as an individual to balance the scales. You just yep. can't, right? And it has to come down to. It just has to come down. To, if you think this is important, and you think Alan Dean Foster should get paid, you need someone who can fight Disney. And the only company or organization that can fight Disney probably doesn't have their interests at heart. So you need to do something that does. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's tough, but you know, at at the grassroots of it all, it's all about because even with this COVID stuff. It's, you know, buy local or buy local, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's making those choices. And of course, you know, even for our own podcast, we appreciate listeners because you know what listeners get us and, and reviews and all that stuff. It gets us closer to getting sponsored and sponsored doesn't mean that it's a job. Sponsored just means that some of the costs get covered, yeah. right? Like people have got to understand. It's not like, oh, a sponsor comes along and, and everybody's going to be making a wage and you're going to be able to do this and do that. No, it just means that you might get a little bit extra to put towards making sure that equipment's paid for or storage mm -hmm. fees mm -hmm. or web stuff, right? And these people have way more skin in the game, these creatives. Like, they, yeah. like you know, I feel just terrible about the idea that someone's suffering with cancer and having to, to get down into the nitty-gritty of, of documents and contracts in yeah. order to, to, you know, fight for their pound of flesh. Just say nothing of, like, the emotional toll that's got to take. Like, can you imagine that you're... Like, he basically has to go and talk to people who he worked with for decades. Yeah. And they are like, yeah, we don't think you're worth shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's... Oh, I can't even imagine. I cannot even imagine how a person would feel, right? Like, it's just fucked up. It's so fucked up. Um, but, you know, I think we're going to start going around in circles with this issue. Um, any final thoughts on yeah. this, Tyler? I, I kind of said my piece already of it's it's atrocious. I don't understand how anyone can come anywhere close to thinking this is okay. And, you know, we have to just do what we can. And unfortunately, that's not a lot. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, guys, we're going to move on. So December 10th, 2020 is finally going to be the day where we get the release of Cyberpunk 2077. At least it's sure looking like that, unless like tomorrow we wake up and it gets moved. <laughs> but right now it's looking like it's going to be December 10th, 2020. And every time that we bring up Cyberpunk 27, Tyler sweats a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think it's time. <laughs> I think, you know, one promising sign is that the game is now going out to reviewers. Um, they're getting a ton of gameplay with it. I think reviewers are getting up to like what 16 to 20 hours with the game, um, depending on whatever they have. And they're allowed to, there's no embargo on reviews for certain things. I'm sure there is, but we're getting early reviews. So there's reviews all over the interwebs. Um, you know, and I would have to say that this game seems to be getting a lot of mixed reviews. Um, you know, I think. People need to be cautious about this game. There's a lot of hype with this game. There has been hype for years about this game. You know, and this game has made a ton of headlines in 2020 because of all of the delays. And, you know, we've seen all the memes where this game won't be released until 2077, things like that. But, you know, here we are. 
Um, and and there's always one game every year that has kind of like this this um, aura around its release. Last year, Death Stranding was kind of like in the same boat, where there was so much hype around the game. When the game actually came out, it was a very um, split decision on what people thought about this game. It was very polarizing. I personally loved every second of it, but... I love those types of games. Like, it was just a fun game to immerse yourself in the world. So I think Cyberpunk 2077 is this year's game where you will get a very polarizing reaction. Um, you know, apparently, from what we're reading, from what we're seeing, you know, it takes a lot for you to get started in the game. Uh, some reviewers have said that they spent, you know, 6 to 10 hours in the, like, the, 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 the first, like, kind of... Uh, mission, the first thing, the yeah. getting the game started essentially, um, and yeah. you know, some people have said, oh, it's it's it takes a long time to get started, but it's a beautiful game, yada yada yada. Other people are like, what the fuck? I can't believe I'm still in the first mission and I haven't done shit all. Um, so you know, I guess what I'm trying to get at is be cautious with this game um you know it's a video game at the end of the day uh but like i see it again once a year last year that stranding was kind of like this and um you know just just be careful read your reviews before you buy the game um and yeah that's all that's all i got let's on not, that let's Tyler. not let's not threaten people with death yeah jeez yeah that's the thing you know, we gotta say now yeah, but you know you know what's interesting about this game? For me, I don't like, as we talked about on our, our 2020 wrap-up of video games and video game systems that we did a couple weeks back, I know I revealed I don't really go for the medieval open sandbox world. If I'm going to go medieval, I need to go more like God of War 3, mm-hmm. right, where it's a guided kind of experience for me, story-wise. I find that it's really difficult with the open sandbox game. I am getting legitimately concerned about my reaction because I'm automatically drawn more into the cyberpunk world by nature, but the experience might be very frustrating for me. And I've got to train my patience levels. You know, apparently you don't even get the title screen until four to six hours in like the actual cyberpunk 2077 splash until you, you complete the first mission type thing. So that's, it's going to be an interesting dynamic for me as a player, because the hype is so big around this game that there's no way you can opt out. I might even, I know Boris was joking. I might even buy it on Google Stadia. I wasn't joking. I'm telling you to do it. (laughs) I know, but it's, it's 80 bucks and it's, and then it's an additional 11 bucks a month. I guess I can dump down to the free, and play it on that, but I'm not going to get 4K. <laughs> like, there's wow. all kinds of hooks to just play this game. Whereas I, you know, if I buy it for my PS4 Pro, it's 80 bucks. It's just there, and you yeah. just the... have a game. Yeah, but I won't have to download it on Google Stadia. <laughs> it exists in the cloud, so I'm like, there's no 80 gigs of whatever is going to come trundling down the pipe, right? Yeah, <laughs> true. So I'm trying to weigh it out. Um, I'm I legitimately was playing Stadia the other night, and I'm playing like Metro Exodus or something like that, because they give you some free games. And uh, I realized that I was downloading FIFA 21 at the same time, and it was play. It was very playable. There wasn't a lot of lag or stutter. 
So I was thinking about maybe transporting that into the cyberpunk oh, shit. and seeing what happens. Here we go. You, you see, it starts off as a joke, Phil, oh, but you yes. will be bought into the Stadia world five weeks from now. You're going to be all about Stadia. Fuck PlayStation. Fuck Microsoft. It's all about Stadia, baby. Oh, he's man. Like, he's going to end up on um, some Google watch list. He's going to be on eBay buying Google Glass. <laughs> yeah. And like, he was just ahead of its time. It wasn't technology oh. that failed. It was humans. But honestly, though, Google has been one of the most abusive relationship companies that I've ever been in. Like they, they and you, you used to be married. The, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But you go out and you get like I had a Google Pixel Two XL, which was a great phone. I loved it. But I also bought the Daydream VR, which right after I bought it, like the Daydream VR Two, I bought the upgraded. It was like wearing a pillow on your face. It was amazing. And then discontinued. Yeah. Right? Like a month after. I'm they sent me the free Google Stadia. I put it up on Twitter. People love it. And I'm like, what the hell is going on with this? But anyhow, I'm like, all right, there's a there's a community. But I know that by virtue of the fact that I have it, I'm gonna get my balls kicked by Google. <laughs> like yeah. it's just gonna be like, oh fuck yeah. it, we dumped it. You know, Google is kind <laughs> of know, like, you know, we we in the show we make fun of netflix and this is why like you know last week i don't think this made it to this literally i don't think this made the cut but we were talking about netflix and you know it's hard for us to get invested in a new netflix show knowing that it's likely going to be canceled within a year or two um that's the same relationship i have with google you know to the point where i don't get a lot of google products anymore i've been a sucker for google for so many years and you know because they discontinue so much. I just don't have the time to invest or to learn something new when they release something. Like, how many times have you been duped by Google like that, right? Like, countless, countless. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And it's even to the point where there's, like, this new Google TV, right? So it's trying to replace the Chromecast. So I was always going to accept a free Google Stadia because it's going to give me a, a Chromecast 4K for free. Yeah. So I'm like, there's a no-brainer there and a controller to at least evaluate but google tv which i bought all right because i really want to try and get my father into using this as a transport method into all the different apps because yeah. it's too confusing for an 80 year old guy to sit there and go what's on disney plus or what's on amazon prime this amalgamates it and really it's like an nvidia shield right so except it's accessible because you can use your voice. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. Hey, guess what? It doesn't support Stadia. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's and I'm like, what? Weird. Like, isn't it weird? Because they launched it like a month and a half ago. And they say there's going to be Stadia on it next year. There's only four gigs of RAM in this thing. You can hook it up to a hub. You can plug in stuff to stream from usb on it like there's all kinds of crazy stuff it's got bluetooth in it i've got it paired to a speaker pair bluetooth wise so like all my content's blasting out at me through some google nests everything's yeah. like great with it but it doesn't support stadia which really gives me the heebie-jeebies yeah. about where stadia is in the pecking order because i'm like if you can go to market with a product like that and forget a division is that because they're being told to forget a division <laughs> like in the dev cycle? Like, oh, don't worry about Stadia. They'll be dead by the... By. Oh, yeah. Mm. 
And that's exactly it right there, right? Like, right? Oh, man. Fucking Google at it again. All right, that's Phil, why I am very apprehensive about this $80 purchase of a video <laughs> game. If if I didn't get all these really weird gut cramps about the fact that I think Google is going to abandon this product, I would go all in on it just right. for just for this experience. Right. All right. right. It really so, comes down to ugh. take us back Thursday afternoon. You sent Tyler and I a picture on our Facebook Messenger chat of your Stadia that just got there. Stadia, Stadia. How is it pronounced? Well, however it's pronounced. Doesn't matter. It's going to be gone. It's going to be gone soon. Doesn't matter at all. All right, Phil, but take us back. You get the product. What does it look like? What do you do? How do you play? How's the setup? Walk us through this. Paint us a fucking setup. picture. The setup on this thing was annoying. I got to say, like, because I already had the Stadia app and I took a test drive for a free month. Mm-hmm. All right. And then I realized I go into it and I'm like, oh, well, guess what? I can't access my games. So I have to have my paid subscription in order to access the free games that they gave me. So I'm like, okay. But then I tried pairing the controller and that did not go well at all. That was just like, I've got this code on my screen. I hook up my Chromecast. I'm like, there's this code on my screen to do this button sequence and D pad pushing. It's not working. The the controller is just like, it's just flashing orange, flashing orange. And then I watched a YouTube video on it, and I'm like, what the hell is going on? So I had to download it onto a tablet, the Stadia app, resubscribe. All right, so I'm in skin for 11 bucks this month. Uh, resubscribe to it, and then it reached out, identified my controller, and then it was a really seamless thing. So really what they should tell you is delete your Stadia app, and then once you get your Stadia starter kit reinstall it and you're going to have a great experience because it was it was really slick uh once it started working but it was frustrating to get to that point because i'm like what am, what's happening here like what once, is actually happening once i could use the product it was great yeah once the product worked it was great <laughs> god so i was i was already like a little nervous because i'm like am i an idiot like it, it's like left b right x you know like it was such a simple sequence and i'm like is it at the same time like they they don't really yeah. explain it properly and as a gamer you're overthinking it so is this- but then once it worked i'm like i dial in a game comes up on my screen away i go right right so the ui is basically not really too helpful well, it just could have been better. I think once once it like Tyler kind of joked, once it worked, it was great. <laughs> like love that. All right, if so you then, just do it cold install. It's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. So then, talk to us about your internet connection. How have you seen lag? How, what your okay? Let's start with the baseline. What is your internet connection like? Like, what do you average in terms of speed? Let's 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 try to get a better idea of what you should have. What is your internet like? I guess I don't know why. Oh, my internet is fifty megs down, ten megs up. All right, <laughs> so already I'm past the four K threshold because I think that they want thirty five megabytes a second down. Yeah, and what is it, five up or something like five that? Up. So I was downloading FIFA twenty one while my PlayStation was in sleep mode. 
So I was gaming while doing a pig of a download of 48 gigabytes at the same time. And it, and it worked. There was a little bit of lag. There was a little bit of choppiness, but it didn't really bother me at all. It was, it was a good experience. I was just wandering around. I, I played Sniper Elite and I played uh, Exodus, Metro Exodus. And I was like, yeah, you know what? It's acceptable. It Fair is enough. acceptable. Cool. The graphics look good. The gameplay was exactly like a console. The interface, everything about it. The only thing that was weird is there's a lot of buttons. So, so many buttons. So many little buttons. Like, I'll show you guys. I know you know where we can see each other on camera. But there's well, all these like little buttons. Expected. Yeah. It's so like, yeah. It's just weird because it has its own vernacular. Yeah. You know, oh, whereas I'm, sure. as, I'm as used to would. Sony hitting the trackpad. I'm used to Xbox hitting the X. Yeah. I don't know what freaking Google's kind of vernacular what is. What it wants from you. Yeah. Yeah. Like which button is it referencing? And they're so tiny. Mm-hmm. And when you're gaming in the dark, because you're trying oh, to shake the mood and stuff. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know which button is what. Like, I, I know that the, mm-hmm. the buttons are organized in the same way that the, it's very much a, um, it's a cross between the Sony controller and the Xbox controller. It's got the Xbox button layout, but it's got the Sony stick layout. Okay. So, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting thing. I did find my one complaint with the controller mm-hmm. is that the um, rumble is too loose it feels like it just feels really clunky like Mm. it feels like the 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 you know because they put like these things that spin in it that are Mm. weighted and Mm. those things feel like they're really out of whack like it Mm. feels i don't know like really loose like a hot dog down a hallway like it's just yeah not a good thing interesting very interesting so I, I would have liked, liked that to be tightened up. I'm actually debating, like, you know, if I'm going to throw good money after bad, I might go out and get a PS5 controller and start hooking that up through Bluetooth. It'll work? Yes, apparently it works. It works on Steam. Huh. They're seeing a huge adoption rate on on Steam right now for people picking yeah. up the PlayStation 5 controller to get the haptic feedback. Mm-hmm. It, it is a nice controller. It is a fucking yeah. nice controller. It's so comfortable in so, the hand. I'm thinking I might be able to get it to work on Stadia if I hook it up Bluetooth to my phone. There you go. That's so funny. It's fine. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you experimenting. Look at you with that. Um, but overall, your experience out of 10, what you would you rate You guys got it? PS5s. I got a free Stadia. <laughs> Look, we all, we're all on our own journeys. Exactly. All right, Phil, out of 10, what would you rate... The Stadia, Stadia and its experience so far. I'll give it a solid six or seven. To be honest, like the Xbox experience is so much better on xCloud or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I also just joined another beta on Xbox yesterday. So I, I, I'll have more stuff to report. I don't know how much NDA I'm under because I didn't really read it, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm under something else. Yeah. Let's, yeah, uh, I'm in some program. Don't like, podcast okay. about that just yet. All right, guys. We're no, gonna no, st- I, I, I don't even know what it is yet. Yeah. I can't even remember it right yeah. now. But I downloaded an app. It started looking like really freaky, and I'm like, okay, yeah, 
Yeah. I'm gonna shut it down right now. Yeah. Pro right, tip to get Phil to sign paperwork, just put it in front of him. Oh, I that's what I used to do all the time when he was my vice president. It's like, hey, Phil, sign this. Phil, you don't know this, but I actually own your left kidney right now. Yep. No, not lefty. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to stick in the video game uh, world. We're going to talk about PlayStation 5 and restock. Um, So PlayStation sent out a uh, tweet on November 25th at 8 a.m. basically saying we want to thank gamers everywhere for making the PlayStation 5 launch our biggest console launch ever. Demand for PS5 is unprecedented, so we want to confirm that more PS5 inventory will be coming to retailers before the end of the year. Please stay in touch with your local retailers. Um, A lot of questions, whether it's the biggest because they've launched in the most countries, uh, then, you know, so the compared to the PlayStation 4, or is this the biggest because of units sold? Let's remember that PlayStation 4 sold 2.1 million units in the first two weeks. We don't know what the numbers are like for PlayStation 5. I'm pretty sure that everyone, um, them and them being Sony and Microsoft are being quiet because they don't want to talk about how little inventory there actually was. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, it's at least refreshing seeing that they're acknowledging that there's demand that things are going to be um, stocking up soon but you know there's no telling when um i'm throwing a flag on this play sorry yeah no and go ahead phil go with it tell me more yeah oh i'm angry phil is in the house now. oh fuck yeah I'm fucking Ho- pissed. holiday I'm special fucking phil pissed. is here let's talk yeah i'm this fucking is, pissed at this Sony. is exactly where i wanted to go with this because yeah um, go ahead pissed do your Sony. rant i'm gonna drink yeah. my beer I'm sorry, but Sony are selling all this shit to fucking bot sellers and, and scalpers. Yep. Like, there's a company right now that's basically oh. bought over 4,000 units. They charge their customers 400, sorry, 40 to $500 a month for membership in order to guarantee you access to their bot sniping program yep. that will give you one console. So you're having to pay up front in excess of $500 to get one of these things. And they're shorting out Walmart. They're shorting out every single website that's selling it, including Sony itself. Is, wait, and the Phil, fact that... Is this the, I don't want to kill your steam. I just want to get a clarification for the audience. Yeah. And you can keep going again. Is this from the article that I sent? Uh, no, this was from okay. a YouTube video I watched last uh, okay. night. So, okay, because there was... Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, don't, I don't recall the name of it or anything like that. But basically what's happening is these guys are are doing this and Best Buy and Walmart are not investing in the security because there's no freaking payoff to. Yep. Because it's units sold for them. It's not happy customers. And Sony should be ashamed of themselves and be putting pressure on their retailers to solve this issue, including themselves, to take this seriously and get the product out in the hands of people that want to pay what it's reasonably costing Instead of some trumped up $2,000 eBay purchase. Right? Like that is just total crap. And Sony should be ashamed of themselves. For our listeners to know, I know Phil's pissed off because he's talking with his hands. Phil does not normally talk with his hands. Agreed. Yeah. (laughs) It's just annoying. uh, It's just, uh, just to, yeah, just to add some context for Phil. The other reports I've seen sounds like a lot of these bots were trained in the sneaker space and several of these companies started as sneaker and like limited clothing companies and then basically saw this opportunity and were able to transition no problem 
uh, yeah, I'm it's, I'm with Phil. It's it's bananas some of the stuff we're seeing, and the fact that it is almost bizarre that journalists are able to get these people to talk on the record. They're like, oh yeah, this is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. This is, they're this selling is memberships. But there's no they're laws selling against. Memberships. There's no laws against this right now. This is the issue. This is why they're freely talking about it. Like it's it's a dick well, move. It's a douche move. But there's no laws against any of this right now. But also, all right, legal or not legal, it's ethically terrible as a company. But secondly, if you go into Walmart, if you, like I almost lost it at Walmart yesterday because it all the exit things have Xbox Ones on them and i'm like why are you guys advertising this product i can't go to the shelf and buy it you tell me i have to go online only if i go into best buy i can't buy a a a a, a system there they tell me that i have to go to their goddamn website and get hosed by these bots it's actually worse than that phil because they have zero average like zero shelf space in person Best Buy, that is. For PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, everything yeah. is online. Like, you cannot find PlayStation 5 anything. Controllers. Well, they have controllers there. No, I, they do in mine. No, not in mine. Like, yeah. they, they, everything is online. Oh, yeah, they've got them by the cash. They've got, like, uh, they've got about, looks like about $10,000 worth of controllers hanging there. <laughs> Which is why I was debating buying a controller. That's on, the only on, PS5 that will be <laughs> under my Christmas tree. On just the front of getting that appeal for the signage. It is worth noting that a lot of those companies, that's that's not Walmart's choice. That's they've no. sold that as ad space. Yep. Right? So no, and I get like, it. That's, that's why what goes there. That's why I'm not gonna get angry about it. It's just frustrating as a customer. You know what? I walked out <laughs> and then I realized that there's these advertisements saying that there's Xbox. So I walked back in and just went to the video game area <laughs> just to look. And it wasn't there, and I'm like, okay, now I'm gonna go home. Like, oh. you know, there's no point in getting angry. Like, okay, there's no point in getting angry, but I'm fucking pissed. Well, I'm angry at the the source of it. Yeah, I know. I you know. know what I mean? Like, I'm just angry at the companies. They need to have more responsibility, and I don't want to let them off. Like, I can let the you know certain aspects of it off, like the advertising route and stuff like that. I get it, but it doesn't calm me down oh, as a sure. consumer. But you know, because it's is, like you're getting poked. But this is a modern day issue now. Like, you know, let's not even talk, begin the discussion about Ticketmaster and that bullshit trade, you know, and mm-hmm. ticket scams oh, and shit like that. And the fact that they own StubHub and StubHub gets a percentage of tickets right off the bat, you know? Like, let's not even begin that conversation. But, you know, here in Ontario, there has been a lot of talk, and it's all talk and hearsay, uh, because, you know, Toronto, you know, living here in Toronto, one thing that I always forget is how lucky we are, because every band comes here, every show comes here. Toronto is a h- entertainment hub for a lot of things, um, and the issue because of that is getting tickets is near impossible, like, you know, um, I think this really became an issue during the tra- uh, the tragically hip uh, farewell yep. tour. You know, and the, yep. this discussion. I got one ticket. Yeah, exactly. One ticket. And this discussion about show. bots and and you know, it, everyone knows it's ethically wrong, but should it be legally wrong as well? Um, there's a lot of yes. talk about that, and of course the answer is yes. But you know, until the elected officials do something about it, you know, this is just going to become a bigger and bigger issue. And here in Toronto, I can't speak for every city in the world, but I've gone to events in other cities. 
um, because I have, you know, my job, I do a lot of traveling. So anytime I travel, I try to watch like a game or something. I don't have these issues that I have trying to get tickets in other cities than I do for Toronto and the GTA. So, you know, I think it's a bigger issue here. Also, we are the fourth biggest city in North America. So, you know, that there's yeah. that as well. Um, you know, and the previous government was going to make laws about it, and then the current government decided to shelf it all. Yeah, exactly. So there's there, our votes have impact. I'm not going to tell anybody how to vote, but I'm just going to say your vote, you know, your voice at the at the at that box has has a lot to do with the eventualities of it. So if you're going to yeah. complain about the fact that you can't get something or you, you yeah. can't get to a concert, you have to realize that there are consequences. Yeah. And Phil, you and I right? used to deal with this weekly at, with TFC and Ticketmaster and, and TFC themselves, you know, if it wasn't for, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back, but if it wasn't for us and like making this issue prevalent to TFC direct from the fans, you know, they were able to change a lot in how they distribute tickets and things like that because this was a major issue for TFC for the first few years. TFC was the hottest ticket in Toronto. Like, I remember talking to people and I would say, oh, I'm going to the TFC game later. And everyone's like, oh, fuck, how did you manage that? It's like, well, I managed it because I have season tickets. But, like, TFC was the hottest ticket in town. And, um, you know, Phil uh, had to calm myself and the old president, Jack, down many times from starting fights with scalpers and whatnot. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I feel the outrage right now because it's something that I want to be a part of. Yeah, it's something you, I, I want to go to the next gen. I want to get into that gaming space. I'm future-proofing a lot of my purchases to make sure that they're upgradable to the yes. PS5 yep. or the Xbox. I'm, I'm taking a lot of care, and it's just really frustrating when I see, you know, these sneaker companies, and Tyler's right on that because that was mentioned in the YouTube that I watched. These sneaker company things that that go around and hose people—it's <clears throat> just frustrating. Yeah, and it's a like, lot of the time you're paying for access not just for the PS5, for example. It's you're getting yeah. access to those bots for everything. Yeah, and yeah. it's they are the evolution of the eBay sniper bots from back in the day, and you can use them for anything hot. And I think what we're seeing of there's there's people who are running, for lack of a better term, small businesses of like, yep, I I my part of my overhead is i pay access to this bot farm and then that's how i get my stock because there's people yep. who are like yeah i have 25 ebay sales for ps5s and you're like oh well cool yeah and it happens in lego all right like yeah like exactly. we talked about the nebulon b model got mm -hmm. bought it out like it it, it uh, amazon just sold it and they sold so much of it that it ate into lego stock because they, they gave it to these bot companies and whatnot that ended up with thousands of these things when there's already a small amount available. And it's just not fair to the customer because those things aren't being appreciated by the purchase by, by the person buying them. They're being resold with the intent of reselling at a marked up price. I just can't wait until PS5s are everywhere, till you can't not find one. Yeah. And then those people, I hope, get screwed and go to hell. Well, like, like get stuck basically selling off their product at a loss yeah and that's the thing the right? speculative like, market is just bullcrap yeah i agree i agree 100 with you and you know i know we always talk about sony but this is a microsoft issue as well we just put sony on the forefront yep. because sony talks about it a lot more and we tend to check more on sony because we that's what tyler and i are playing i know that's what phil is going to buy first so you know that's why we talk so yeah, it's it's both companies have to be responsible and they have to put pressure on the retailers to bone up their security. 
to so, eliminate these bots. It's not like it's not known how to circumvent some of these issues. Well, that, that's actually what I want to, if we have a little bit of time, I want to touch on because someone like me who's not te- te- technologically savvy, I'm like, yes, I agree this should be illegal, but I literally don't know what you would do. So do you guys, you guys tend to know more tech stuff than me. Like what is there like, is it just, you know, a couple of policies that maybe suck or what is this? What does this well, look like? What, does what Best Buy need to do is basically do an old school sign up. Do you want okay. a PS5, Tyler? Give mm-hmm. us your details and you're going to get one per household. Register your household. All right. Do all this stuff that's really painful and upfront, but they register your household and they go, you're going to get one when one comes in right now. It's just going free for all on the internet. Somebody's going in and adding to cart, whatever the limiter is, three, five, 17, whatever. They're just taking stabs at it and then buying it. And Best Buy is going, Hey, all right. We just made a sale for $10,000 worth of all these PS fives. They're not questioning the morality of it. Whereas like if you ran your list differently, if you actually qualified your customer and installed some security, like those stupid codes that bots can't read, that we all find really irritating, or how many traffic signs are here, and you know, mm-hmm. click on those boxes and things like that that really frustrate us as consumers. But that guarantees you that you're not you're you're cutting out at least the low hanging fruit bots. You okay. know, that maybe some of these things are doing, and mm-hmm. you're giving access to a real person, right? And here's the thing. If that real person backs out of the deal, if they say, no, you know what, sorry, I just don't have the funds to buy it, or my kid, I got one somewhere else, or whatever, they're not going to have a problem moving the product. It's not like it's going to, it's not like it's rotten fruit. Mm-hmm. It's hot. It's, there's going to be a million people lined up for it. So you just go back to your list and then just say, next person on the list, here's your shot. Yeah. I mean, that's what EBs did locally, at least. Yeah, and yeah. that's why I'm not including them in my rant. Yeah, right. It's it's Best Buy, it's it's these larger retailers, Amazon, all these companies that don't have a vested in. They their only interest is selling units. Yep. Not selling units to people who want it. Yeah. But feeding the marketplace, and the marketplace is full of sharks right now. Yeah, one hundred percent. Unfortunately. All right, guys, we're gonna move on. Nineteen thousand eight hundred and sixteen. You know what that number represents? Any idea, guys? No clue. That is how many Amazon frontline workers have contracted the coronavirus. Jesus. Um, yeah, 19,816. And the reason why I bring that number up is because out in Germany, um, there has been disruptions on various Amazon, uh, I guess, warehouses um, to disrupt Black Friday sales. Um, unfortunately, you know, this isn't doing much, uh, but, you know, someone has to take a stand, someone has to start, but Amazon has nearly tripled its sales since the coronavirus started, um, and, you know, pretty much they haven't taken the uh, the virus serious at all, and that's how they were able, you know, in the third quarter, its net income tripled <sighs> to $6.33 billion, guys, $6.33 billion. We how many how uh, many employees does Amazon have? Uh, I'm gonna Google this. Yeah, Google it. Let's vamp. Let's vamp for a little bit. It's just it's crazy, guys. Um, you know these companies and you and, know this. And Jeff goes- Bezos is one of those one of the most wealthy people in the world now too, right? Like it's just yeah. this whole rigmarole. Yep. 
Oh my gosh. Uh, what uh, this number is huge. It's like over a million employees. Yeah. 19,000 is actually a pretty good. That's below the national rate of coronavirus infection. Yeah. In which country? <laughs> In the states, I I would assume. Ah. Uh, yeah. I have read this before where the number was high. Yes. But in relation, Amazon's response last time this got brought up as an issue was, oh, really? That few people have it? Yeah. Because we're way ahead of the national average then. Because yeah. only That's this thing, percent though. of our workforce has it, whereas we're looking at infection rates being way higher. The fact that a company is willing and able and happily willing and able to have people contract the virus is absolute ludicrous like this well nobody's saying that they're going out and saying catch it but you can't control people like especially at i'm i, I don't want to say it like this but they don't pay people well at amazon that's okay. that's the whole point all this. right and the yeah it's like but even if you did or whatever they're contracting it outside of work like i don't think that they're creating an unsafe work environment now if there's a case of that then yeah, it's a big issue. Places that have reported it is an unsafe work environment. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. So that's that's part of it. It's like a lot of these people are saying, "Hey, you know, it is unfucking safe to work right now in the Amazon warehouses." So what the yeah. fuck, you know, a company that has tripled. Then that is a problem. Yeah, the co and you brought up a great point, Phil, because you know, I here I am saying nineteen thousand eight hundred sixteen out of those nineteen thousand eight hundred sixteen, how many people contracted that virus while working? under an Amazon facility versus, you know, contracting the virus because they went out to have a beer after work. They yep. went out to a party or something. Or like they're so an like, anti-masker. Or they're an anti-masker. Exactly. Like, the, you know, we need to bring, like, we're trying to bring up the entire uh, view here, you know, but the fact that Amazon yep. is willing but and able 1, to do They have 1,125,000 employees. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the other side being... We've heard a lot in the past about how part of the reason that those numbers might be higher is um, that Amazon has a history of, you know, if you don't show up for work, uh, yeah. like being sick is an excuse not to show up for work in the Amazon yeah. world. Cool. Yep. But you know what? It's, it's kind of funny. I'll, I'll work this in. I ran into my first anti-masker yesterday. Oh, oh God. God. Only so, only yesterday. Yeah, this I don't. Bill go doesn't much. get out. Much. I really don't. I I was in my grocery store buying bread, literally buying bread, and and other things for the week, and I'm standing there and I'm using the self checkouts mm -hmm. because I just find that I don't really want to stand in a bigger line. Mm -hmm. There's four mm -hmm. checkouts going versus standing in a socially distanced awkward space because i always find that it's just not spaced well so i'm standing there and this guy lines up opposite of me and there's a woman in front of me and she turns to him and she goes um the gentleman behind me here is actually in a line and i just looked at him and i said yeah i'm just being socially distant like like keeping social distance mm -hmm. and he goes well that's an oxymoron and i'm like okay all right, we're just going to, I'll give you that. It's military intelligence. Two words combined that don't make sense. I get it. All right. So then the lady goes forward into the next stall. And then I come up to stand in the spot that she was occupying. And I took a closer look at this guy. And he's wearing one of those masks with a valve in it. Oh, fuck me. 
And then he's cut pieces all the way through the mask. Yeah. Out. So the mask is, in effect, doing nothing. Yeah. And then I'm just like, okay, now I know who you are, buddy. And it wasn't a bad experience. I, I just, my mind just had all these dots connected. Like, all right, you're an idiot. Like, just, geez, stay away from me, dude. Like, you're not even trying at this point. And I feel bad for all the people in retail that have to deal with these boneheads every day. It's it's not a hard concept. Put a mask on. <laughs> protect yourself. Protect others. Like, come on. Yep. And it's just weird here in Canada to find those people. Like, uh, it, it's political in the States, and I understand that component. But here in Canada, I don't really see freedom prize being a problem uh I'm in but the it's of, there it is there. i'm in the middle of some barbecue tonight you guys know where i should go oh, <laughs> no <laughs> oh, no no all right Boris, i think we should give a review of movies <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's responsible for us having a terrible christmas episode <laughs> All right, guys. So, uh, this has been on the news a lot, and I want to bring this up uh, before we go. And that is, you know, there are always questions about how developers get paid from services and whatnot. This guy also ties into our first story. So, Phil Spencer how has explained how developers get paid from Xbox Game Pass, um, you know, especially with, X, with Microsoft's um, kind of taking Epic side. I think a lot the they wanted to be proactive in releasing a lot of this information. Um, so, uh, speaking to the Verge, Xbox boss Phil Spencer said Microsoft makes all different types of deals with developers depending on their unique situations. So there's no like uh, uh, one rate for all our deals are i'll say all over the place uh that sounds unmanaged but it's really based on the developer's needs uh spencer explained one of the things that's been cool to see is a developer usually a smaller to mid-sized developer might be starting a game and say hey we're willing to put this game this in game pass on our launch day if you guys will give us x dollars now what we can do is we'll create floor a floor for them in terms of the success of their game um, they know they're going to get this in return in some other cases microsoft will completely fund the production cost of a game in this situation the developer can make money from retail sales my car while microsoft may allow these games to release on playstation switch pc uh, with the developers taking in that full revenue microsoft uniquely benefits in these types of situations by having a game launch day on game pass so that gives us a little more insight into their um into how they're paying out people uh, and you should check this article out because it is really interesting in terms of kind of how they're doing this so there's no set model um and it's really like you know they're taking the customer success to the umpteenth degree and there's someone who's like you know talking to these developers and these game houses and they're you know they're, they're working together as a partnership to get the allegedly. rate allegedly allegedly i know it's all pr it's all pr it's all marketing and i i know they're doing this to be proactive um especially as you know they're going to probably take a much stricter stance um soon with the whole apple epic fight happening what are your guys' thoughts, Phil? Um, I I assume that things were like that with Microsoft. Like, 
I know Microsoft doesn't always have the best impressions out there, but one thing that a lot of the companies that they purchase and make these deals with uh, for Game Pass come back and they say largely Microsoft doesn't mess with us. The, the actual feedback from developers is it's a great environment to develop in. And they just let us do what we were going to do anyway. They just show up with more money and enable us to do it. So right now, Microsoft have, have managed to strike the right balance. Like, will it continue to be that way? I don't know. Now with ZeniMax under their, under their corporate structure, they could start to get a little more aggressive. And aggressive sometimes isn't good for developers because they want to make for many platforms. So <clears throat> it will be interesting to see how they go forward. But up until this point, this doesn't shock me that that this is because you see people like you see companies happily going to Game Pass. Yeah. You don't read stories like, oh, Microsoft came in and muscled in on Cuphead to get it on Game Pass or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you know, you, you'd be you'd be hearing the underside of the screams from people that are getting crushed by the wheels of Microsoft in the industry. In my opinion, I just think that somebody would be out there leaking it. And no, just saying, sure. it's a it's terrible It's hard deal. to keep things under the wraps, yeah. Yeah, with Twitter and with Reddit and all of these places that people congregate on the internet and basically do their tell-alls anonymously. Mm -hmm. it, it would be an extremely hard thing to keep the wraps on. Very agreed. So that that's my take on it. Uh, good for Xbox. Uh, like it's it's putting pressure on Sony because Sony announced this week that they are coming out with a strategy to counter Game Pass. Well, again, I remind people they do have PS Now, but they need to fucking yep. up that marketing because PS Now is a great service. I actually really enjoy it. It's worth the twelve ninety nine a month in my opinion, um, and you get a lot of great games. You can now download the games. I would rather download than stream. So hopefully it becomes a platform where you can download all the games. Um, you know, even if it lives on your hard drive for X, you know, if it's a time download, if you don't play the game, it you know automatically disappears or something like that. But um, you know, that's overall they need to up their game there. And I think that there's a lot of pressure, as you said, on them to do this. Tyler. Like Yeah, I, all this is correct. Yeah, Phil had a good, really good point there with the Xbox. I don't have a ton to add on this point. Yeah. Um short of, you know, this is this is all, as Phil mentioned, taking place in the shadow of antitrust rumblings mm -hmm. uh, with an activist government in the States. So Yep. Phil, I am think, curious. I, I think they're concerned. Yeah, Phil, you're going to bring something up. Sorry. Yeah, I am curious to know in this particular case, this is the reason why I'm dancing with the idea of putting uh, Cyberpunk on Stadia. What happens if Stadia puts Cyberpunk on servers that are running like PS5s? And guess what? They just eliminated the need for PS5 because you can ray trace and do all the stuff because they're on advanced servers that are streaming it right like that's a that's to me sitting in my head going what quality am i going to get because it's just a stream so they're honing the back end they're doing all the processing power they're putting the teraflops out there so what does that mean for my experience and is that worth the chance for me right it's like it could be an interesting play space for microsoft and google that are doing and, and even PS5, yeah. but PS5, PS like Sony have always been like, well, we're going to give you the PS3 or the PS4 experience with our streaming service. 
they yeah. they haven't really gone all in on that. But Xbox and Google are kind of elbowing each other, going, "Well, we can do 4K, and we can do this," but they own that back end. So that becomes really compelling for a consumer market, right? Well, if you have like, the internet and the infrastructure. Yeah, which we do largely no. in a lot of places in North America. And the places oh, that no. don't, no, the places that don't, we're getting Starlink, right? Maybe. Like we're getting we're getting availabilities in the upcoming short I term. Mean, for, for what it's worth, I have tried to stream stuff on the PS4 and the PS5, and I have not bad internet, and I can't get verified enough that Sony doesn't shut me down. Hmm. Like it's... It's, I don't know, I, I've heard the song and dance of like, oh, we're going to have great internet before, so I'm always very skeptical of like, yeah, but, you know, if you live in Appalachia, or like my parents' farm, it's satellite yeah. internet, and it's still yeah. garbage. And they pay, like, hundreds a month, and it's still garbage. And it just, that's what you get. Well, so Starlink, apparently, is being, like, each mission is getting more satellites up there, which means sure. more coverage. So it's spotty coverage right now. But the the problem that they're facing, Elon Musk said, it's a $600 buy-in. And that's where he's struggling with it because he's like, people don't want to spend 600 bucks up front to get the box yeah. and get the, the link. But he's like, once you get it, you're at 100 bucks a month and you're going to be able to get 50 megs a second no matter where you are in these remote places. I, like the bare I mean minimum is, is 50 megs. Elon Musk has been so wrong so many times before that I don't trust him. Yeah, but this is this is like this is actual data coming back from people already on the service. Okay. In remote areas in the states like Montana and places like that. So they are certainly looking at like they're looking at certain latitudes and longitudes mm -hmm. for providing the service, but they're getting more aggressive in Canada now. They've got the states largely covered. And now they're going for northern Canada. So It'll be interesting to be able to consider, and there's other companies playing in this space. Mm -hmm. So satellite is about to change. But my point is, though, is like with Stadia, mm -hmm. all I need is a is is uh, a, the ability to download it because it's just a graphic at that point. The processing is taking place somewhere else. Yeah, right? it, so it's in to keep the latency down. Yeah, the latency and the and the you know like that's all part of the package. As long as you're doing your network right and you're on the right service you could have a pretty awesome experience potentially without yeah. having to put the upfront six hundred dollars into a playstation 5 but i don't know if they're talking about that i just don't know yeah yeah what can i say you've said enough my friend you've said I enough have. i think i have <laughs> All right, and in other news, we have Ashley Eckstein, who basically portrayed Ahsoka Tano on Clone Wars, did all the voice acting, and during Rebels, she came out this week with a pretty heartfelt message towards all the fans that for continuing to support her and all the fans that are basically experiencing Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka for the first time and wishing them, you know, come check out the back catalog and take Ahsoka with you. You know what I mean? It was it was a pretty touching thing, but I, I know that in another way, it does kind of open that can of worms that we've talked about where it's like she's one of the most, you know, when she came onto the scene, she was one of the most reviled characters. People did not like Ahsoka. 
And there was a lot of backlash and a lot of complaints from the fan base. And it I was, know we all had an interesting discussion. Yeah, it was very intense. Star Wars fan base complained. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Like, it Kelly was really Tran, like It was super negative. Um, so, you know, the best way to describe it was, you know, back in 2008 when she debuted, um, you know, the audience had mixed negative thoughts. Like, there was no positive. Like, no one liked this character. No one cared for this character. People thought she was annoying. People thought she was useless. People thought she didn't add to it. People wanted it to be the Obi-Wan and Anakin show. Um, they didn't think that, you know, you needed to grow and expand this world a little more. And to do that, you needed new characters. People just overall didn't accept her um, to the point where she was getting death threats. You know, guys, calm the fuck down. Um, the, like there's, that's no reason to, there's never a good reason to send anyone a threat of any, sh in any shape, way or form. Um, but it's funny because these same people who are sending those threats are people who now are praising, you know, the live action Rosario Dawson version. Like, this is just insane. Like guys, like let things happen. Just calm down, be a little more tranquilo, calm down, let things play out. Um, because you know, things change. You know, and, and, and over the last couple seasons of Clone Wars, she became one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic character of Star Wars for this generation. But I want to be angry now, Boris. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know with me personally, I, I trust that Lucasfilm, like, like we talked about it a little bit yesterday. I know there's big backlash against Phantom Menace and whatnot. I didn't notice it. I was completely oblivious to the backlash because I wasn't living on the internet. I wasn't looking for validation on the internet. I was enjoying the fact that Star Wars existed, which I think a lot of fans do. And we don't have much of a voice out there because the complainers take so much spotlight. And we don't want to look like we're going to go defend it because then it's just, you know, we're in no dog whistle attacks. You know, it's just just garbage as a fan to be attacked by your own fandom. So there's a lot of people out there like, sure. She wasn't my favorite when I first started off, but the show wasn't my favorite. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like there was choices made in that show. I now embrace, but I don't really like the way that it's this week on the Clone Wars, yeah. you know, like that, that yeah. kind of newsy real open thing, you know, Ahsoka Kantano and, and, you know, yeah. uh, I just, it gets a bit too much, right? It's like when you watch Blade Runner with the narration. Yes. Oh, God. Right. And then you watch the director's cut and you go, well, now it's a better movie. Right. And this Clone Wars was challenging in a lot of ways, but then they kept at it. All right. And, and then you started accepting the character and you started accepting the character's flaws and you started accepting and they, they went really hard on, on doing it. And you know what? Part of it was Ashley Eckstein for me. Her voice is so interesting. Like she voiced her own, the young adult novel. She, she voiced it for that. And I found it was so comforting to hear her be that character again, yeah. you know, and then to get her coming back for the last season and hopefully going forward, there's nothing that says that there's not more clone wars or more rebels potentially in the can in some form, you know, whether it be named another show. I hope it's not the end of her experience. It was just really hard sometimes to read it yesterday because I, I felt like she was like giving the, like admitting like it's everyone's character now. It's yeah. been such a big part of her. Yeah. And now exactly. it's everyone's character. 
Yeah, and I'm sure and we're going to see her in the Bad Batch in some some shape, way, or form. So, like, you know. Yeah. I'm sure her journey's not over. But it was cool to see um, and, you know, overall seeing the love that this character is finally getting. Because I, too, did not care for this character. I And to be honest, I really didn't care for the Clone Wars for the first couple seasons. It just wasn't my cup of tea. But upon, you know, second viewing, I liked the show a lot more. And then when it went to Netflix and Disney+, Plus, the show just took off and became just really well done um but i still to this day struggle with the first couple seasons yeah they're not fun cad bane is maybe a little bit interesting to see um but the first the first seasons really struggled but you know it was new for dave yep it was new for george there's a lot of challenges there. It was new. It was one of the first non um, Skywalker things that Star Wars released. So you know, like in the grand scheme well, of things, not you know what I mean. Like it's it's Anakin. It's very Anakin and Obi Wan. Yeah, in, like. in a ways. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, it, it stayed on that beat, but it was just new format. Yeah. Right. Because nobody was doing a computer generated animated show and things like that. And Dave is an artist. He's not a computer guy. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's writing up storyboards for the show and they're like, oh yeah, that's great. We're not using storyboards, yep. <laughs> you know, and he, he's now having to confront how many characters he can draw on the screen at once and things like that. Whereas before it was just artists, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Now it's digital artists, which have a completely different set of parameters and challenges. So there's a lot of work that gets done on that. And, you know, there's people who are critical of this week's episode of Mandalorian with Dave directing it's his second attempt at live action. Yeah. You know, and, and he's been getting a lot of help from a lot of great talent around him. And I, I appreciated it because it, it, it was Star Wars. If more than any other episode, this was Star Wars. Yeah. So no spoilers, just saying, you know, but now we have to, we have Rosario Dawson, the infamous Clerks 2 actress. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Smith put up a cool post about nothing that else ever. Yeah. yeah. No, you know what? Though I didn't realize it was her and Clerks too. And then I saw Kevin Smith posting and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is Rosario Dawson. Good for her. Like, but I don't watch a lot of other stuff that she might be in. I just get hung up on the ass to mouth and that's it. So, <laughs> and that didn't even budge her at Boris. <laughs> she was I, also Nightmares in Marvel. I heard it. It just didn't register until a couple seconds after. Tyler, anything to add before we move on? People just need to stop being monsters, but I don't see that happening anytime soon, unfortunately. So here we are. Exactly. At the end of the world. Well, might not be the end of the world just yet, but it for sure is getting to the end of the episode. So, Phil, how about you tell our awesome listeners how they can get a hold of us and send in those angry emails? You gotcha at uh, w- <laughs> our website is www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. Don't be a douche. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, Amazon. Really, anywhere you find podcasts, you can find us. And if we're not there, let us know and we'll get there. And if you like what you hear so far, be sure to smash the subscribe button and leave a rate and review. You know what? It always helps out people. Yeah. Don't be a douche, but you can use one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's it. That's a good one. All right, guys. 
It's time to wrap up the show. Thank you so much. It's the It's Canon Podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things geek. With the podcast, we talk about all things comics, all things video games, all things toys, all things books, all things movies, all things Lego, all things Star Wars, all things Mandalorian. And be sure to listen to our Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 5, Chapter 13 review that's coming out on Monday. No featured episode this week, but we will have a new episode of NXT Talk featuring myself and Matt, but that's going to go to the new feed at Sunday Night's Main Event Radio, um, at SNME Radio on Twitter, Facebook, etc. Have fun with that. We're going to be, um, re- we will still be releasing some free episodes on the It's Canon Podcast feed, uh, but you know, for your weekly TV analysis, check out SNME Radio. All right, guys. Thanks so much. As always, much appreciated. He's Tyler, he's Phil, I'm Boris, good night.